Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Chiss Ascendancy. We're in episode nine. Episode nine. Which, ironically, is titled Nine Questions from Star Wars Episode Nine. And so, just recently, the Rise of Skywalker novelization came out, and uh, there's been all kinds of, I don't want to say spoilers because it's out, but there's been all kinds of new information, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, from our friends, from the internet, from all these other things, questions you know, we might have had coming out of the theater initially nine questions that maybe you had to read into in episode nine or it didn't answer just explicitly. And so that's what we're going with. Ready? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, I had a lot of questions coming out of nine, but I think, um, you know, I feel like I have more questions coming out of seven and eight, I guess, than coming out of nine. Um, <clears throat> I was pretty satisfied. I feel like there's a lot of people that, I feel like there's a lot of episode nine haters. And so maybe this is how it feels on the other side of episode eight, uh, which is my least favorite of the new trilogy. Still good, but my least favorite. Uh, but I loved it. We loved it. Both mm-hmm. episode nine. Uh, Disney did us a huge favor by releasing the digital a couple of days early. So I was watching that. I was watching um, the Skywalker Legacy documentary. Uh, and so the novelization as well as the Skywalker Legacy documentary, which is available with the digital download of episode nine, The Rise of Skywalker, uh, answers some of this and also a little intuition. So nine questions. Yeah, um, so nine questions, and then uh, we also want to do a kind of as a celebration of the final release to the public mm-hmm. of episode nine, especially with the novelization coming out. Novelization's out, mm-hmm. digital's out, and then I believe the 31st. Yeah, they'll be dropping like They'll drop the actual hard copy. So it's one of those things where I have the novel, I have the audiobook, I have the digital, but I'm still going to get the hard copy when it comes out because I need it. Yeah, I have every. Star Wars movie, you know, one through nine or yeah. one or solo. I have them all on Blu-ray. So you just kind of keep that. You just need that going. tradition going. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's jump in. So question one is. All right. So the first question we found was, how did the Emperor come back to life? Right. Um, so, if I don't know, if you want to read the book first or whatever, it's been out for a while. Um, so I guess some of these answers are going to be spoilery. Um, so you're being warned. How did the Emperor come back to life? Um, big, that was a huge question. I feel like um, <clears throat> when the first trailer dropped, right, and you hear Luke, no one's ever really gone, and then you hear the cackle. I remember being in my friend's car driving and freaking out and being like, what? What's happening? Um, and then the initial question after that that we had was, is it a physical palps? Mm. Is it a... Is he going to be a ghost? Like, they could have... Disney and Star Wars both have always done a great job of showing you a little bit of cards and really get you locked in. And George Lucas is the master of 
this whole scene that's in the trailer isn't actually in the movie. And so um, it was really interesting to <clears throat> to look at that. You know, I was wondering, is he going to be a holocron? Anyways, so there's just all these ways. How did the Emperor survive? My understanding is that on Exegol, which the Emperor had already known about, mm -hmm. we know that he left Wayfinders to Exegol before he died. And so when he was falling down that, um, that shaft on the Death Star, the second Death Star, uh, when Darth Vader's like, no, and th throws him overboard, um, he does what in the Darth Bane novels is known as an essence transfer. Mm -hmm. He transfers his, whether you want to call it his consciousness or his soul or whatever, he throws his person into a clone that is being prepared on Exegol. Mm -hmm. And a follow-up question that I've read and kind of had answered by uh, the novel is that um, why, then why is he old? Because uh, there's a comic series called Dark Empire, which came out after episode six. Um, talks about it was the they were the first ones to have the comic or have the idea of their clones of Palpatine, <clears throat> and so he's younger in those comics. And why isn't he younger? You know, why would you clone a hundred year old body instead of cloning a twenty year old or thirty year old body? Uh, so my understanding is. The body that he's in when he first meets Kylo in Episode Nine is the same body that he was that he threw his consciousness into. It was young when he threw it in there, but the dark side was so strong in him that as soon as he entered the body, it immediately began to deteriorate, and that's why he's so desperate for a new vessel. Yeah. In Episode Nine. Well, and you see that with a lot of the legacy of the Sith, uh, like Bane, mm -hmm. he aged prematurely mm -hmm. in those books because he had developed so much power in the dark side. And you can kind of see it more tangibly, uh, especially in Revenge of the Sith, where when Palpatine opened himself up to the Force, specifically the dark side, much more than he had in a very long time, yeah. it rapidly aged him in the moment. You know what I mean? He gets all those wrinkles and his whole body looks like a daggum prune. <laughs> you know, looks like he's been taking like a hundred year old sun bath you yeah. know, out there. Uh, and, and that's that's just the consequences of uh, manipulating the dark side in such yep, vast costly. quantities. Um, so I think that there's that. And then uh, something that's a little speculative that I've kind of heard bounced around is that, um, let's use the word vessel, uh, the clone vessel wasn't as uh, strong mm -hmm. or... Um, there, you know, it just wasn't as solid as, you know, an actual human body. So mm -hmm. it had even more rapid deterioration than his, you know, natural physical self. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, he was pretty old by the end of Jedi, but... Yeah, I think um, he's a hundred plus. Yeah, he's pretty he's pretty old because he's been in the... I mean, he was like a long-time politician by the time we even come around in Phantom Menace. You right. Know? So tack that on to his, you know, entire rule throughout the prequels and then... Right. Well, when you, you meet know, an episode one... It's 10 years later in episode two, then three more. So it's 13 years right. by episode three. So even if he's... So even if he's a young established politician, let's say 40, 45. Right, which, which is obviously huge. not. Yeah. Um, he's still like, what, in his 80s or 90s? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, if he's 50 in episode one, mm -hmm. just throwing 50 out there, which I know he's older than that. But if he's 50, he's 63 by the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. Mm -hmm. Then 20 years later for episode four, 
he'd be 83, and then, you know, two or three or four years later by the end of episode six, he's 84. Yeah. So, he's up there in years. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, kind of a few different ways to answer the question. He is not immune to the coronavirus. He is susceptible. Uh, so, yeah, so how did the Emperor survive? He was, uh, his spirit or consciousness or mind or whatever you want to call it, uh, was transferred to a clone that he was creating, uh, that he had had commissioned on Exegol. So there yeah. you go. Um, and then, you know, a little bit of follow-up on that. There's kind of, that was, uh, especially in the Thrawn books, you know, you mostly get into the idea of cloning powerful force beings for, like, the use of whomever, typically mm-hmm. Palpatine. Like, he had, uh, clones of Thrawn on standby. He had, uh, Luke, you know, L prime Luke, mm-hmm. uh, from the hand that was cut off in Empire. Um, I think, I'm not sure if they actually got into cloning Palpatine, but they were all scared that he was going to do it because he was so notorious for cloning mm-hmm. useful specimens. Um, so it's not a new idea, um, but it does raise a lot of follow-up questions that we could talk about for ever and ever and ever. But that's not the question. So, yeah. The question is, how does he come back to life? That's how. Uh, second question, why did Kylo put his helmet back on in episode 9? Um, okay, so... I can answer this one really easy. Real world for me, in, on, you know, in, a, in Earth, mm-hmm. uh, to me it's J.J. wanted the helmet back. That's all there is to it. Uh, in the Skywalker Legacy documentary, uh, they talk about a beautiful thing that the Japanese do where... If they have uh, some pottery or whatever, whether it's important to them or it's expensive or it's a mm-hmm. family, family heirloom or whatever, if they have a vase or a bowl or something that is breakable and it gets broken but they still want to keep it because it's valuable to them, mm-hmm. what they'll do is they have a tradition where they put it back together and the pieces that are missing or like, you know when things break, there's like the big pieces you can put back together right. but there's like the little freaking splinters that you can't do and uh, you basically glue it together in a, in a sense with gold mm-hmm. and so you know maybe it was a jade vase and now it's almost better yeah. because they it's actually the increase in value after they've been repaired right and so they decided to do that same thing with kylo ren's helmet mm-hmm. um and it's uh it's red kyber that's holding it together is my understanding and so they said they went with a with a like a glowing red, mm-hmm. which I thought looked awesome. Yeah. Um, whenever he smashed his helmet in episode eight, I Adam Driver is such a great actor that I want to see his facial expressions, but the Kylo Ren helmet is so cool, I was torn. I was like, well, I want to see Adam Driver freak out, mm-hmm. but I want to see the helmet. So it was a cool mix in um, episode nine. For me, I think I'll, I go a little bit differently about it, um, especially in light of the comics and especially... Um, just kind of in light of the way that Adam Driver talks about the character. It seems very much like Kylo, his identity is based upon the helmet because he's the Ren now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like part of the Ren identity, kind of the leader. Um, And it's part of just being part of the Knights of Ren uh, is that you have that helmet, you kind of have that facial anonymity. And to me in episode 8, when Snoke denied him that, it was basically... uh, Kylo like acquiescing to the wishes of uh, Snoke where he's like take that ridiculous thing off you know mm-hmm. what I mean he's kind of rejecting this identity that uh, Kylo had built up for himself mm-hmm. and Kylo is obviously shattered by that literally in the in the form of the helmet 
But when he killed Snoke, he was taking that mantle back upon himself. Mm -hmm. And I think that was him solidifying his identity in the dark side and as the leader of Knights of Ren mm -hmm. by taking that back on. It's symbolic for yeah. him, I think. Well, the thing is, he's... Kylo... And this kind of pours into one of the later questions, but Kylo's never really chosen an identity for himself. Yeah. You see, I think we talked about it last week, but Kylo talks about how he was chosen... For the light and the dark from the moment of his birth. Yeah. And he's just torn up by it. And he, he tells Snoke in the Kylo Ren comics he hates his name because there's his first name is for Obi-Wan. His last name is his father's name. Like every part of him has a legacy that's pulling him in a different direction. Mm -hmm. And he's got to be the best at whatever it is he tries. And he just wants to exist almost, you mm -hmm. know. Um, it kind of reminds me of that farmer from the Clone Wars where he's like, I got a family now. I got mm -hmm. a farm now. Uh, kind of reminds me of he just wanted to be a pilot. He just wanted to do his own thing. Mm -hmm. So... You have, he's being questioned, then Luke attacks him, and he he reacts out of anger, mm -hmm. and in his mind, he thinks he's beat Luke Skywalker, mm -hmm. and so he gets to move on to the next identity. Well, then the next identity, Snoke kind of pushes him towards the Knights of Ren. He doesn't measure up there, then Ren tries to kill him, and he reacts out of anger, kills that guy, takes that identity, and then Snoke is the first person that he rages on that, like zaps him and is like puts him back in his place and I think out of anger he he doesn't know what his identity is and that's part of the reason that the mask is broken so I think whenever he feels he can ascend the throne he is you know he is the new Sith he is the new it's weird because they made a big deal before episode 7 came out that Snoke and Kylo were both not Sith but by 9 he's getting ready to ascend to that throne mm -hmm. like it's the throne of the Sith and I think he it's his way of it's almost like fake it till you make it. And I think, for me partially, I think it's, this is who I am. It's almost like to himself. He's getting to pick, but it's also, he's like, hyping himself up before the big game. You know? This is who I am. I am the master of the Knights of Ren. It's, he's taken that identity on. Ben, Ben is buried when Kylo is at the surface. It's kind of like that movie Split. You know, where there's all the different personalities and they call whoever is being their personality at the time. That's called they're in the light, you know, and then you have the little boy or the lady or the beast or whatever. And Kylo feels vulnerable when Ben is in the light. And so when you meet freaking Chief Palpatine and he's like everything and he can give you, you know, the mm -hmm. galaxy, you need to but you need a, a brave face. You need to have your own back. And I feel like that was, he was putting Kylo back in the light to use that same terminology. So, pretty cool. I love the helmet myself. Yeah. All right, third question. Uh, how did Kylo become a good guy so completely and so quickly? Uh, to me, and I'll keep it short, but I think that the Rise of Kylo Ren comic shows so much that he has a lot of his, like, the comic really shows what he's talking about in episode 7, that call to the light that he feels. Mm -hmm. Like, his natural self is good, is light side. Yeah. Um, well, the it, opposite of Vader, almost. I don't think he ever, even when he thinks he's fully chosen the dark side, he's never there 100% because mm -hmm. um, it seems to me like Palpatine never had second thoughts about being a Sith. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Compare that to Vader, who was obviously Torn. struggling with that his entire time as a Sith. Um, now go a step further. Yeah, and and 
I don't know. It's just he he was never to me a com- completely bad guy. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? He there was always constantly um, that Leon Han side of him that mm-hmm. was constantly wanting to do the right thing, constantly yeah. wanting to be who he felt like he could no longer be. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like he wanted to be a good guy, but he felt like he was too far. It wasn't an option anymore. But he always had those regrets. Mm-hmm. Um, so for him to finally embrace those things, and I guess from the greater point of view, embrace his true self, his whole self. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's just such a relief for him that he falls into it naturally. Yeah. And the thing is, and this really is fleshed out during the Skywalker Legacy documentary, but um, to him, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So somebody can do something for you, and if you don't appreciate it, it doesn't mean anything to you. Does that make sense? Mm. So like Luke loved Ben. Han and Leia both loved Ben. But he never felt like that love was just for him. It was like, hey, I love you, but I need you to become this person. Mm-hmm. Hey, I love you, but I need you to become a Jedi. Hey, I love you, but I need you to do this. Um, and so when he's killed, basically, or has a mortal wound and Ray heals him, uh, to me, that's the first time that somebody did something just for him. Just yeah, with no expectations attached. It was just because it was the right thing to do to help Ben, mm-hmm. and in that moment, he realizes that there is more. Mm-hmm. There is more than just having to complete a legacy somebody else started. Whether that's Han or Obi Wan Kenobi or Darth Vader, um, he's been faced with you need to be this person for all these reasons yeah. for us. And when Ray heals him on the wreckage of the second Death Star. It's like she doesn't expect anything out of him. Yeah. She just wants to help him. Well, and it's cool because it's um, it's kind of Kylo's first step in doing something purely for the sake of doing something. You know what I mean? It's in 7 and through like halfway of 9, mm-hmm. everything he's doing is taking a step towards trying to establish something else. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Everything that you see in 7, it's him trying to makes no happier trying to you know further solidify himself in the dark side or complete his training and eight you see the same thing he's trying to kind of pull ray to him and to yeah. overthrow snoke and it's all kind of a means to an end but when he finally steps into that good guy role he's just doing something because it's the right thing he's not trying to get out anything right. out of it he's and not I trying think, to be anything from um it. adam driver touches on this and he says uh he said you know when ben does what he does he follows ray and he says, I don't think that Kylo or Ben, I can't remember which, I, I always call him Kylo because that's how I know him, but he said, I don't think Ben really knows what's next, nor does he care. He mm-hmm. just knows that as long as he's with her, he's in the right place. Right. And so I don't think he was thinking, um, you know, in a perfect world for me, Ben and Ray both survive nine and they go with Chewie and they start the new Jedi temple on Kashyyyk. I'm just saying. But uh, I think that that's the beautiful fantasy. But the reality is, I don't know if Ben wanted to be a Jedi after that. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think he wanted to make things right with Rey. I think he wanted to be with Rey. But I think that he knew he wanted to do what was right in that moment. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he wants to join the Resistance. Yeah. Well, and There's I more mean... things. that the, the First Order still needs to be defeated completely. Right. There's there's things there's other things in, and that's a later question. But there's other things in order. There's things have to be fixed on a on a galactic scale. It can't just you know what I'm saying. Like if the U.S. had taken over the entire United or the entire world, and they took out our air force, there's still people on the ground that need to be 
taken care of. There's still governments in place that need to be taken care of. I don't think he was worried about that. I think he was whatever wherever Ray was, that's where he wanted to be. And um, so I don't know. I think he he's redeemed, but I don't know that he was jumping into the resistance. Yeah, no, he was just. I think he's he was there just for doing Ray. what he thought was the right thing to do, and yeah. for him that was that came in the form of Ray. Yeah. Um, fourth question. Do, this is a stupid question, but it's one that people actually had. Okay. Um, and I don't really think we need to spend very much time on it. Sorry if this is a question you actually had. You're not stupid. I just feel like this question is kind of pretty obviously answered in episode nine. Does Leia actually know that Ray is a Palpatine? Uh, Luke very explicitly says yes. yes. If it, so, how long? I don't know, but long enough that he says Leia knows she doesn't care. Yeah, and. You know that, and that's kind of the theme of Episode Nine: is that it doesn't matter what your origins are; it matters what you do from here on out. Mm-hmm. And nobody respects that more than Leia. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Leia is the daughter of Darth Vader, and when that news breaks after the Empire's already fallen, this is in Star Wars Bloodline, the novel. Right. The Empire's already fallen. She's very prominent in the Galactic Senate or mm-hmm. the New Republic Senate or whatever you want to call it. And when people find out that she's Vader's daughter. She's blacklisted, mm-hmm. you know, and well, she's, she's, the political career is over. Yeah. And that's where the resistance starts from is because nobody believes her that there's still a threat. They're thinking, yeah, well, you would say that daughter of Vader, you mm-hmm. warmonger, you know? Yeah. And so I think that if anybody can say, yeah, you're the granddaughter or the daughter of so-and-so or whatever, but you're also you and that's who you are first and foremost. Mm-hmm. If anybody can say that, it's Leia. Yeah, and it's it's not really another one of those things that's like not a totally new idea because you see her in uh, Heir to the Empire, um, kind of the back end of the original Thrawn series, um, where the Nogari, you know, Thrawn's, you know, you see them a little bit in, in Rebels. Rook species, Thrawn. yeah. yeah. Um, they're looking for a new leader, and for that, it's whoever Vader is, and then Vader's dead, so it must be whoever, and so they call her, you know, daughter of vader for them lady she was vader the, yeah she color. was the the heiress to the empire mm-hmm. um so yeah definitely not a new idea but one that's pretty easily spelled out to me mm-hmm. um in this movie which is yes she knows so she doesn't care she she knows long enough to have known way longer than ray and she doesn't care yeah. so she knew for a long time mm-hmm. i don't know how long but for a good while um okay number five um how does palpatine have a son short and sweet yeah He's a clone. Of he's, he's a clone of, of Palpatine. It seems, and I'm not quite sure how the sentience of it pans out. Um, it because obviously we see in you know the original trilogy, clones all have their own sort of sentience. Yoda says in the first episode of the Clone Wars, um, you know, on the surface you're all different, very but different, the force, they're different. Very, very different. It's a good point. Um, maybe he wasn't, and maybe the reason that. Um, something that I was kind of, I don't know if I saw this in a video or if it was just something I had thought, but, um, maybe the reason for Ray being so important is because the force needed a natural body that wasn't a clone body mm-hmm. that was powerful in the force. And that's who Ray was. Yeah. Cause well, yeah. Palpatine's clone son runs off, falls in love, gets married, has a kid. And Ray is, even though her dad's a clone, she doesn't have, you know, it's not like the Jango Boba Fett thing where Boba's a clone but doesn't have any accelerated aging. She's the daughter of a real human and right. a clone. So like 
the deficiencies of she's not been made in a vat. Right. And so maybe she's capable of channeling that power, which we obviously know she right. is. One in the thing is, for me uh, is I know, especially in the Bane series, because this that's really that and Plague us a little bit. The only books that really heavily touch on the idea of essence transfer. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, we've had really long discussions on like the different nuanced implications from all of it. But essentially, um, the clone probably had to have been born with some sort of identity. And if it came to it, Palpatine would force himself upon that person, mm -hmm. which would, to me, talk about why that clone would try to run away and try to start something for himself if he knows that his mm -hmm. inevitable demise is to be taken over, essentially, for the purposes of Palpatine. Right. Um, but none of that's really clearly spelled out. Those are just kind of my yeah. you know, natural progression I, of things. I haven't read the novel yet. Uh, I'm sure I'll have plenty of time to do that here in the near future. Um, and it's less than, I think, 300 pages. Yeah, so it's not it, terribly it shouldn't be long. that long, but... Um, yeah, my understanding is he doesn't want to be the heir to... Yeah, he doesn't want to be an instrument. Yeah. It's not even like... It's not a... Uh, it's not a... I won't do what you tell me rage against the machine moment. Right. I think it's... He realizes how evil it is, mm -hmm. and he doesn't want a part of that. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So anyways, the son of Palpatine is a clone whose daughter is Rey. So in a way... Ray's kind of like Palpatine's daughter. Yeah. I mean, in the way that any kid that Boba Fett had would be Django's kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yes yeah. and no. Yeah. Um, all right, next question. We what, know brothers. What's the story <laughs> with the Knights of Ren? Uh, we've talked about this quite a bit, and I think this is an older question. It's just one that we found that was popular. Uh, if you want the long short of it, Watch last week's yeah, video. Yeah, watched episode eight um, um, that we put out last week. You know, the even the comic doesn't open up where they originated. What the origins are, uh, we can probably guess but that they have. They're called legends. Yeah, they're like Ren himself yeah. says, "Where the Knights of Ren were legendary." Yeah, and I think I mean, they seem to have some sort of long-standing thing. But this is also after the Jedi Temple has been established for a while, so Palpatine's definitely been pulling things behind the scenes. So anything that Snoke does, we know that it was actually Palpatine manipulating mm -hmm. it. Um, but like we said last week, they refer to somebody as the master. To me, that means ultimately Palpatine, um, because the lightsaber is not going to tell him who's there. You know what I mean? Yeah, and they yeah. have to get that Sith item from somewhere. So right. all fingers point to Palpatine. Um, and essentially as we see Palpatine trying to, you know, pull Kylo into himself, mm -hmm. um, and this is not at all far-fetched to me in light of how long game oriented Palpatine is that mm -hmm. he would have created this order of force sensitive beings one for the sake of just having those guys off the street and doing what he wants them to do but on the flip side it's weird because the Knights of Ren from the Visual Dictionary it says that they're force sensitive mm -hmm. but they're not like strong users they're not strong enough to be um, they're not strong enough to be a Kylo or an yeah. Obi-Wan or well, whatever and that's what's interesting though at the same time and also the visual dictionary would be talking about the Knights of Ren that existed under Kylo, but we see in the comics Ren was force sensitive enough to one, be able to use a lightsaber with some proficiency, and also he snapped that other dude's neck with the force, right. which is not an easy task right. where the force is concerned. I think that the Knights, I think the Knights of Ren are all force mm -hmm. 
able. Yeah, some, there's somewhere similar to what people would suspect Han of being force sensitive just because his reflexes are quicker. Yeah. He's got a lot of intuition. Yeah. Um, not necessarily. I don't think. I think it's been confirmed that Han isn't, but just yeah. on that kind of level. Before, yeah, there there were different levels of force sensitivity in the Legends continuity, mm-hmm. and there was like force aware, mm-hmm. and that's what they considered Han was yeah. like. Your draws a little bit quicker. Yeah, you know, and I think that's kind of what they consider uh, Maz to be as well. You know, I don't know how Maz works. Maz is a freaking she's, mystery. Well, and we see more of it in the Force Collector book. Mm-hmm. Right, because we see her finally talk about her interactions with the Force, and obviously she's been around for a long time, so with that longevity comes wisdom. But she is aware of the Force on some level, just not enough to manipulate it. Very much like the kid who had psychometry, mm-hmm. um, he could interact with the Force, but he you know couldn't really levitate anything. He couldn't manipulate the Force. Right. He was just able to see it, to be aware of its presence, yeah. and to be manip- like manipulated by the Force, but not you know reciprocate that. Right. So. Um... I think the Knights of Ren, maybe the Knights, maybe there's just two tiers. There's Masters, people who are capable of being Masters, and maybe you start as a Knight. But I think anyone that's just a Knight of Ren is Force aware, I guess is the term. Mm-hmm. Force users, but not strong or, or, or you know super capable. Uh, but it does keep them a step ahead of mm-hmm. the average yeah, Joe. Obviously very Similar to like warriors. the Bad Batch. Yeah. Right? I like think you, that's maybe a step above, but yeah. But you, you see what I'm lines. saying, though? Yeah. Like they had. They had positive mutations desirable mutations you know so you have wrecker who's like super strong you know he's not using the force but yeah, i'm saying specialized is, that's what i'm saying yeah. and so maybe they're on that level um and then because you know how they said that uh i can't remember the main guy's name they just called him ren no no no. i'm talking about from the from the uh, bad batch oh hunter hunter yeah the rainbow guy uh, they said that he has oh Rambo. Rambo. They said Rainbow. No, no, no. Like, where's that coming from? No, no, no. Totally. He his design is totally on Rambo yeah. with the freaking bandana and the long hair. So, um, but they said all of his senses are heightened, mm-hmm. and when we get close to this outpost, like he'll be able to feel it. Like his, he can feel freaking yeah. Well, radio he, waves like, any, like anything that. that big, he can feel it anywhere on the planet. Right. That's so, cool. um, anyways, I think maybe. Only people who are capable of being masters are actual force users. Mm-hmm. Hence, Ren slash Kylo. Anyways, yeah. So the Knights of Ren, supposedly legendary. The beautiful thing is, there's all kinds of years and comics and books and who knows Disney yeah. Plus series or standalone movies. Yeah, I assume we'll get more on that. We're gonna get more information, but yeah. the story right now is they're a legendary group of dark side users and they just follow. The blade. Yeah, they're only really dark side in the sense that they don't have any allegiance to and uh, maybe, an ultimate sense of positive morality. You know what I mean? They just do it for for doing it. They are based out of Exegol. Maybe. Um, that's, that would make sense of why they're there. I mean, it's a cool speculation. You know, we'll yeah. see for sure in the future, I, I, I assume. Uh, next question. What number are we on? Seven? Uh, seven. Cool. Who all is in the final order? Final order is uh, Sith loyalists. Yeah. Well, and if you think about it, all right, first order comes first. The final order is the last one. You know what I mean? So it's like they're all coming out of the first order. The first order is basically anybody that's... It's a contingency plan for the Empire. Anybody that's anybody in the Mm -hmm. first order is ex-imperial. Yeah. I think final order is more of the inner circle of those folks who believe in the teachings of the Sith, even if they're not a Sith themselves. Allegiant General Pride. Right. She or he knew about 
the final order. Right. He was kind of a part of that yeah, final he order. Was in the inner circle. And very loyal to, you know, remember there's a part in episode nine mm-hmm. that he's talking directly to the emperor. Yeah. And so he, he says, as I, sold, as I served you in the old wars, I'll serve you now. Yeah. And he calls it master. It's just, he's using terminology that a Sith loyalist will use. Mm-hmm. So I think ba- it's based out of Exegol. The Divisional Dictionary says that he, he the Emperor bases everything out of Exegol because yeah. it was harder to find. And yeah. so and to harder me, to get out, I yeah. would think, would be advantageous for Palpatine especially. Um, so to me, Final Order are people who kind of knew what was mm-hmm. going on the whole time. Um, and they are not loyal to the Empire. They're loyal to Palpatine. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, and at the same time, um, to add on to that, you see the red armored troopers are called Sith troopers. They're mm-hmm. not stormtroopers, yeah. which definitely and underlines I, that possibility. I really wish that they would have had a different kind of armor. Like it would have looked differently. In it's like, like the form of it. Yeah, I just I red is cool, yeah. and I'm totally down with the color. But it was like, all right, so with you know, imagine you're writing storyboards or you're on the design team, and you're like, guys. Last Star Wars, all right? Here we go. Let's kill this thing. All right, so we've got stormtroopers, right? First order, based on the Empire, right? we got stormtroopers. All right, so what are these guys going to be that are the final order? You know, based based on the Sith, what are they going to be? And they're like, catch this, Sith troopers. Same as stormtroopers, red with lines. And someone was like, heck yeah, let's do it. I mean, that's basically what Apple's done with every iPhone for the last decade. Like, it's worked out for them. It's just, so I figure Palpatine's going to have the it was, same level. Like, when you have the Royal Guards, when you have the Royal Guards in Episode 6, it was like the red kind of symbolized the devil, the evil. Well, right. I don't think it's based on the I, devil, but I'm was, saying the devil's always in a red suit. Like, well, it, it was set apart. Um, there's some level of psych, uh, psychology and colors, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to me, it's like they had a different look. They had the force like the the force pike like mm-hmm. it was just different and like when you're playing the force unleashed and those shadow guards come out you're like off oh, right yeah, it's getting the, real the ones in the black armor. i would have yeah uh i would have loved i would have loved for the sith troopers to have a different look about them yeah i can appreciate that so at the same time not everybody can be somebody yeah so, so. um but yeah final order to me they're an exclusive group of sith fanatics mm-hmm. that follow the emperor not because he's the emperor over the empire but because, because he is who he Darth Sidious himself yeah yeah um, and this kind of spills into the eighth question which is who are all the robed figures in Palpatine's throne room uh the word i would like to use is sith acolytes mm-hmm. um, i think that's what i think that's what the uh visual dictionary, visual dictionary says and that kind of points back to did you read or listen to the aftermath trilogy no they had a group of fanatics called the Acolytes of the Beyond. Mm. And they're, they, in uh, Chuck Wendig, the author of the book, you would have the main story, and then in between you would have, um, I can't remember what he called them because I've read those books years ago, but they were like side stories, and one was, there's a guy that finds Boba Fett's armor in the Dune Sea. And it just kind of talks about that for like four or five pages in between chapters. And then there's one that talks about Han and Chewie going back to free the Wookiees on Kashyyyk. And it's just little extra stuff that's showing you what's going on in different parts of the galaxy while the main story of those books is happening. And mm-hmm. some of those happen with the Acolytes of the Beyond and their dark side fanatics and they find Darth Vader's lightsaber and they're like losing their freaking minds. Mm-hmm. Like imagine in 300 years if you find, you know, Michael Jordan's like favorite pair of J's or like you see like, 
his freaking sweat paint, sweat outfit, his jersey from Space Jam. And you're like, it's his. Like they're fanatics, and so they're Man, called. You had the sneakers from Like Mike on the table, and you just passed over those. I didn't think about Like Mike. <laughs> to me, Space Jam is more cool than Like Mike. Well, the, all I'm saying that, is that is the correct they had, answer. They had those sweet scooters in Like Mike, and um, we got to hear little Bow Wow's rap. So. Space Jam is definitely that. the better movie. All right, just be adamant about it. So, uh, but the acolytes of the Beyond or what those are called, I don't know if they have any kind of connection with the people who are on Exegol, but I imagine those are Sith acolytes, which makes me wonder, why didn't they intervene? Not powerful enough. Yeah. Also, people who are in the dark side, they're like, it's very much like Mandal or whoever's the strongest shall rule. You know what I mean? They're not going to intervene. They're just mm-hmm. going to let... They want to serve the most powerful person, so whoever wins... Also, I, I saw a really, gratitude. I saw a really funny meme that does kind of have, like, it, it does make sense to this argument. It was a meme of it's from the view of the acolytes, mm-hmm. and they're like two hundred yards away, and you just see like little bitty stick figures of Ray and Kylo and Palpatine, and they're like, "This is cool as heck," but what do you think they're saying? Because like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. they're not like, "Ding ding ding ding." All right, everybody, here. they're finally here. This is my granddaughter. Like. They're just talking, you know. Yeah. So but at the same time, everyone hearing really starts... because yeah. it's all stone. And yeah, that's like, true. Rule the galaxy, and everyone's like, yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> cheering once, up in the stands. <laughs> once stuff starts hitting the fan, though, uh, and everything starts falling, I mean, when there's a statue that's the size of like the Washington Monument and like twelve times as wide, and it's a giant Sith warrior. Oh yeah, screw if it. that thing starts falling on you, you can be like, what? And that's it, you know. So. But yeah, Sith Acolytes, you know, imagine like freaking the, I guess they're the equivalent of, what do you call the people from Harry Potter who are followers of Voldemort? Death Eaters? Yeah, they're like Death Eaters, but for Palpatine. Yeah, and something I would like to point out that kind of points to the fanaticism of the Final Order Troopers and the Sith Acolytes is if you're on Exegol... You're on freaking Exegol, so yeah. you're not getting out. You're not getting in. Imagine everybody much... that's been there and was there for the manufacturing of the Final Order. Yeah, you could be born there. Yeah, most of those people probably were born there, and that's it's been all that years. they know. Yeah, you know what I mean. These people were bred for the purposes of the Final Order. It's like an even more extreme version of basically the loyalty that the clones had to the Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything that they're doing, it's they're all in. You know what I mean? That's all they've ever known for the most part, with the exception of people like Allegiant General. How Pride. many cows do you think they have on Exegol to have milk for the cereal for all those people? I don't know, but they're all underground because there was lightning and rocks on that planet. That's and everything a lot else of cereal. Surface. This is the nutritious part of a healthy breakfast. <laughs> Just imagine every commercial on Exegol is Palpatine screaming things with his hands like this. <coughs> Sorry. All right. What's the ninth question? All right. Uh, Question (laughs) nine. Does Palpatine actually win? And I think the... I know. But we're going to talk about it. Um, I think the basis for this question is... Raise a Palpatine. No, not that. Uh, That Palpatine wanted Rey to kill him to basically give over to the dark side, very much like how he's trying to manipulate Luke and Jedi. And she does end up doing it. Um, so does Palpatine actually win? Because that's what he said he wanted all along. 
All right. If well, I were Palpatine, I'd be like, heck yes, I won. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, whatever gives me the dumb. Let me poke 6,000 holes in this theory. I understand. I'm just, you know, giving the devil's advocate point of view. All right. In episode nine, whenever he's asking Ray to kill him, and he's like screaming out, now she takes a step with her left foot, and now she takes a step with her right foot. I would like to see Palpatine narrating like he's doing a play by play in like Legend of Korra where they've got the guy and he's like, all right, the fire parrots are throwing that, you know, like I would like to see Palpatine doing that. Okay. Sorry, the side thing, note. The thing that he specifically says is she takes her lightsaber and she strikes me down. Yeah. Okay? In episode five, Luke Skywalker asked Yoda, is the dark side stronger? And he says, no. And he's talking, basically he's saying like, the Sith seem to do things faster. They seem to be more whatever. And Yoda says, a Jedi uses the force for, uh, never for attack but for knowledge and for defense. Mm-hmm. So when Ray clearly mm-hmm. is not fallen to the dark side and, and uh, she gets up and she has the lightsabers and all that stuff, he says, I am all the Sith. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he does his thing and she says, I'm all the Jedi. Mm-hmm. She never strikes yeah. There's never an aggressive move. The only thing she does that could be considered aggressive is she takes one step forward mm-hmm. when she has both blades. But to me, it's less of a... That was more of a defensive step because if she... If you give Palpatine an inch, he takes a mile. Mm-hmm. And so, very much like we see a Mace Windu in Episode 3, but Anakin's not there to cut Ray's arms off. She has both lightsabers. She's deflecting mm-hmm. the lightning. And it's basically the evil and the hate that he's pouring out on her... She's defending against, and, and it's yeah. reflecting on him. Really, Palpatine kills himself yeah. at the end of the day. Um, I did see a thing where it was like, he gets ready to kill her, and then she infiltrates and says that she's a Skywalker, even though her real name is Palpatine and all that stuff. And so, I guess in a sense, the only Jedi and going forward, walking into the double sunset, technically is a Palpatine, but... His desired plan did not take place. Right. And I would like to point out as a stupid motivation question. for Ray's actions. Uh, and I think that has a lot to do with it. If she killed him at a malicious intent with the purpose of stepping towards the dark side, he would have won. You know what I mean? But for her to do essentially the same thing, but for the right reasons, mm-hmm. is you know a point in the favor of the light side that takes away from the Sith ultimate victory. Yeah. Um, and I think... As much as the whole, you know, only for defense thing is very valid, I think it's really her motivation that is the difference maker. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Why she did what she did. Right. Um, and yeah. again, if you want to get so technical to say, well, she did kill him, you have to be just as technical to say, well, she didn't kill him with the lightsaber. Mm-hmm. I guess so, yeah. Right? If that's the but formula. But she did kill him with force lightning. Doesn't count. <laughs> what do you what do you mean? Because he says she steps forward and with her lightsaber she will strike me down and you know whatever he says the such and such will be complete. He does, she doesn't do that. I guess. I'm saying if we're gonna get that technical, yeah. then let's get that technical, dog. Let's, let's get technical. Get technical. <laughs> I was thinking that too. All right. Um, is that online questions? That's online questions. Here's my freaking question. All right. No, I can't do it. Only nine questions for episode nine. Bonus question. Um. My question is, in the Aftermath trilogy, again, 
one of the hard things about writing for Star Wars, I'm sure, especially if you're writing for books that kind of are pointing towards the movies. Um, my question is, if you're a writer, I'm thinking specifically about Chuck Wendig's Aftermath Trilogy. There's a part of one of the three books where it talks about Palpatine um, was getting, you know, he's putting the First Order in place and he's getting ready. If everything went well on Endor, he was getting ready to travel far into the Unknown Regions because he feels a powerful presence there that he wants to join forces with. And at the time, the obvious choice was he's talking about Snoke, right? He's the most powerful force being we've ever seen. That's what we were made to believe. Mm -hmm. And now that we know that Palpatine created Snoke, or maybe Palpatine, maybe there was an original Snoke and Palpatine defeated him and there's a cloning facility. Anyways, my question that was not answered was, I mean, really, episode eight and Ryan Johnson or whatever you want to blame him on is kind of the one that answered it in the way I did not want it to be answered, is what's, what is it he was feeling? Was it just the strength of the presence of Exegol? Because, kind of going back to, to question number eight, I think a lot of those Sith acolytes and stuff were there for generations. Mm -hmm. It's one of the original Sith temples, yeah. and it was not destroyed by the Old Republic Jedi because it couldn't be found, but, and that's why the Wayfinder was so important. Maybe he was seeing the combined presence of everything that was happening on Exegol, and that's where he's going. But it made it sound like there was a, a singular being or a singular force that was so strong that Palpatine desired to learn about it. And for the longest time, I was like, yeah, that's clearly Snoke. He's in the Unknown Regions. Nobody really, know, really knows who he is. Yada, yada, yada. Snoke ends up being a puppet. So who is the strong character or being or presence that Palpatine goes to seek in the Unknown Regions? We may never know. That's my question. There you have it. Something to think about while you're at home. So those are the questions. Uh, again, guys, if you have any other questions, feel free to reach out to us, comment on our YouTube. You know, if you have our personal numbers, send us a text. Get us on Instagram at, uh, you know, Chisicin or Chisicin 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 podcast. podcast. Yeah. Uh, find us, ask us questions. We love the kind of stuff. But those are nine questions that were raised by the movie that have largely been answered by the novelization or by the Skywalker legacy documentary. Or the comic. Or the Rise of Kylo Ren comic. Or our own brilliant minds. So... That is all for today. And remember, folks, the only family that here is me. We'll see you guys next time. Take it easy.